think one of the most significant and helpful things that I have learned in the last several years is this concept of you can't grow spiritually beyond where you are emotionally. Previously on the Isle of Misfits, we had the pleasure of talking with someone named Ginger Harrington. Now, you may remember this was a really fun conversation, but it was more than fun. It had a lot of really wonderful insights and wisdom about the topic of holiness, which is a big topic in and of itself. But I'm going to let you go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet. You really, really should. Today, we're going to continue this conversation with Ginger because there was so much we didn't get to talk about last time. She graciously agreed to come back and chat with us again. So once again, welcome back to the Isle of Misfits, Ginger Harrington. Thanks, Nancy. It's great to be back with you. Oh, well, as you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled, first of all, to be talking with you again and thrilled on another level that you even wanted to come back. So truly, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I I had a great time in our last conversation. It really was a good, good time. Well, you you are really more than half of the reason. Uh, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you ninety percent of the reason that it was a good time. So uh, so again, so we could just be thanking each other back and forth. But uh, but I, yes, I will always trump your thanks. But um, yes, you you know, one of one of my takeaways from just having you the last time was just this word of you know the, this big concept of holiness, as you talked about in your book, holy in the moment. You know that. It's an intimidating word, and yet it really is, it was never meant to intimidate us in that we, we were never meant to run away from it, just just like we're not meant to run away from the presence of God. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that that your, your thoughts in that book really, really stuck with me. Oh, that's great. That's what it's for. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I want to talk about... Um, I want to talk a little more about the book today, but there's other things we didn't get to talk about last time, um, and one of them was really about your background. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna start really by backing up because our today is today's Monday. It's uh, June 18th, so that means yesterday was Father's Day. So I wanted to ask you, how was your Father's Day? It was good. It was a totally different Father's Day than I've ever had before. I actually preached my first sermon at a church that we used to attend years ago, and I did the Father's Day sermon, and it was four services. I have a whole new four. respect. Count them, four. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of services. Yeah, so it was really great and, and just a wonderful opportunity to lift up and celebrate fathers and the the gift that God has given us in the family with a godly father. And I know that not everybody had a great experience with their own dads, but knowing that we have a heavenly father who works in the midst of all of the things that we experience in our relationships with our own fathers and to have that privilege to encourage men to be godly fathers and to make a difference in the lives of their families is was just a sweet, sweet opportunity to minister to hearts and families yesterday. Well, and I can imagine, actually, and we, we spoke a few minutes prior to recording that, you know, your husband must have been pretty darn proud of you. 
He was. It was fun. He was. I could see him in the congregation, and he was just grinning because he he just he knows my history, and he knows that it's. Um, I've been doing a lot of speaking over the years, but it was. I had to really pray about accepting a you know an opportunity to give a sermon. But since it was a Father's Day sermon, and they really wanted to have a female perspective in talking about the importance of fathers, I felt, you know, I just felt very comfortable being able to say yes to that. But it was, it, it was a, a step of faith for sure. Well, and I love that. I love and having that female perspective to say, hey, yeah, dads, you're important. We, we, we not only appreciate you, we respect you and we want to honor you. And I think that's, that's such an important piece. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it's a missing piece on, um, on Father's Day, the, the whole, you know, really expressing honor, especially in church service. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I, all right, I'll say this, and I don't know, maybe this is, has just been my experience. Um, so I'm just telling on, I won't name any churches, but um, a lot of times it seems that on Father's so Mother's Day, I'll back up, Mother's Day is, oh, here's some flowers, Mom, and here's some accolades, and we love you, and cards, and, you know, just uh, glitter, and, you know, every, and breakfast in bed, and just let's treat you like the queen that you are. And that's rightly so, isn't it? I mean, yes, we, we love that, and it's, and it's appropriate. But sometimes I get the feeling on Father's Day, it's like, okay, dads, it's time to step up, you know, with emphasis on step up, you know, that you gotta, you gotta do a good job being dads and you, you gotta, you gotta really be the man. And I don't know, is that just me? I, I, I have heard some of that and talking with the pastors who invited me to give the sermon really gave me a fresh perspective on that. They were just talking about what a challenge it is to do the Father's Day service as men. He said it feels like we are being self-aggrandizing to, mm. you know, cheer men on and, and things like that. He said to have a female come in and give that perspective, it it plays differently when a female is cheering the men on to and appreciating the strength and, and the wisdom and the provision and all of the good things that they can bring to the family. And so that was a very interesting perspective, and it worked very well. Yeah, and actually, uh, now that you mentioned it, I think, I think that really, that is the key, the, you know, having, as you said, having yourself as a female express on behalf of, you know, hopefully the, the, the females in, in fathers' lives, whether it's daughters or or wives to say, yeah, we really do appreciate you. And in, in this temperature that we're in, I think it's, it's especially important because too often, I don't think men are getting that respect, you know, and I know we could get into all kinds of rabbit holes on this subject. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there are still enough men of integrity out there that showing appreciation is still appropriate, even today. Absolutely. I just have to say, when I came back for one of the services, it was a six o'clock service, I pulled up, I was, I arrived early because I didn't want to be late getting stuck in traffic or something. And so I'm in the parking lot and I can see a dad pull up in the car and his daughter's in the car and they park and they're both just dancing and laughing and, and the dad is obviously talking to the daughter 
And it was the funnest and sweetest moment to observe, uh, you know, just a fun moment between a dad and a daughter in the parking lot. And that simplicity of just making the most of the moment and having fun in the moment was really fun to observe. Yeah, that's, that's great. I love it. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Um, so I, I, just, I, I just love that you had this opportunity, and I wish I had been there. So maybe I'll have to ask you how I can access this sermon at some other point because I'd love to listen to it. So, okay, so, all right, so Father's Day denotes that you have a husband, which also denotes that you are a wife. So let's segue into, um, into a topic we didn't really get to explore uh, in our last conversation. You are a military wife. I am. You are. So let's, uh, yeah, I, I just, that in and of itself, uh, that's a broad topic, but let's, let's talk about that. Let's, um, I'd love to hear more about that part of your background. Sure. We, um, I've been married for 28 years this year. <laughs> Congratulations. That, that seems like a long time, but, um, when we got married, one of the first things that happened after, you know, the I do and the kiss was exiting the church. And my husband had arranged, he, he's a Marine, and he had arranged mm, for uh, some of his buddies in uniform to do a sword arch as we uh, exited the church. Nice. And um, he told me that it was, I knew that it was going to happen, but I'd never seen one in real time before. And so I really didn't know what to expect. So we're coming out of the church and we go under the arch and we get to the end of it. And, you know, everyone is clapping and things. And the back guy, you know, the, the last guy that we passed, he took his sword and whacked me on the backside and said, welcome to the Marine Corps, Mrs. Harrington. Nice. And that was the first time I heard my name, my new name. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. It was, just, uh, it was a really fun moment. What an induction. Yes, the sword arch uh, commissioning, if you will. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's great. So, all right, well, I knew I liked you because I, I have a Marine for a husband as well. Um, but we'll talk about him some other time. But so, yeah, so you are you are a military mom. And Marine, you know, I, I, I will say this. I think, yeah, Marines, they're, they're a little different than the other branches in a good way. They are in a very it, good yeah, way. In a very good um, way, yes. That's not to take anything away from the other branches, but there is a uh, fidelity and a camaraderie. Oh, yes, Semper Fi. In the military Marine community. Mm-hmm. And there's no and, such thing as a former Marine, as you know. Yes, yes. And that is a very real thing, and it's one of the things that I enjoyed most about military life is that that sense of camaraderie and community. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you know, I had the um, I had the privilege several years back of visiting Paris Island to see a nephew graduate from uh, basic training, and my yeah. husband. So, you know, we all went and he, it was 30 years, almost to the day of when he started there that he visited. And it was, it was an amazing experience for me because just being on those grounds and watching what was happening was such, uh, it was, it just revealed so much to me about, uh, about who he is. Um, just, you know, his, his, the psychology of, of the Marine mindset was alive yeah. and well on Paris Island. I'll tell you that that was, it was really revealing to me. Yes. And it is, you know, sometimes I think military men and military life gets, um, downplayed a little bit in, in movies and such like, you know, 
things like that. And but it is a it is a culture where honor and service are some of the top priorities, and it impacts how people conduct themselves, how they relate to one another, the um, faithfulness of their work, and you know just sincerity and in industry and just so many wonderful characteristics and quality that are part of the military culture in general but also very specifically um from my experience seeing that in in the marine community oh yeah yeah i mean integrity honor and those are yeah those are all things that are just you know embedded and you know and the the age-old question is okay does it develop these things or does it attract people who have these things and and i honestly think the answer is both Yes, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I thought just comes to mind as we're talking about this kind of culture, when we lived in Okinawa, Japan, when um, they did colors at the end of the day, they, you know, you have the, the flag music and they're taking the flags down and traffic stops all over the base for that time when they're taking the flag down. Mm. And the children know that. You know, they see their parents stop their cars on a four-lane street. Hmm. The cars stop on base. And one day I was watching my kids playing on the playground behind our house, and they did not know that there were any adults around. There was probably 20 different kids playing on the playground, and the music came on and, you know, the flag ceremony starts happening. And even though that was miles away, you could hear the music all over the base. Every single one of those kids stopped and stood still and faced the direction that they knew the flag would be coming down and waited until after that moment had passed. And to me, that was just, just, I had such an amazing sense of patriotism and pride that even the kids on the playground knew to honor the flag mm. when it was being taken down at the end of the day. And it was just, it was a beautiful moment. Yes, I remember feeling a similar, uh, that patriotic moment. Uh, they had the raising of the colors uh, the day of graduation. And that was an amazing ceremony with the band. And it was just, it was, yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was emotional. Yeah. So, okay, so... You have, all right, so you've been a military mom for, well, military wife and then a mother for at least 28 years. At one point, you started a ministry to other military wives and families. So tell us a little bit, how did that get started? Yes, I, you know, I was not the person who initiated this ministry, but God gave me the gift and opportunity to be part of the development of it. And that happened, I met Corey Yates, who is the author of Olive, Olive Drab Pom Poms. I met her. Love it, love the title. Speaker. I know, it's a fun book. Um, I met her at, as a fellow speaker at a Protestant Women of the Chapel International Conference. And we were both doing workshop speakers and met each other and lived about an hour and a half from each other. So, of course, we exchanged cards and said, we should get together sometime. And so oftentimes we do that kind of thing and we don't actually follow through. And I didn't follow through. And then uh, probably a year and a half later, I thought, you know, I need, to, I need to be intentional about following through with some of these contacts that the Lord has 
allowed me to make. So I called her and invited her for coffee, and she said, oh, that would be great. And we made a date, and then she called me back about an hour later and said, you know, I'd love to see you for coffee, but would you like to help me start a ministry? Oh, wow. So talk about timing. So what you thought was, yeah. That started. And I, you know, I said, let me pray about it, but I love the vision. She said, I have a vision. God has given me a vision to encourage and equip women in the military community in faith so that they have that stability of faith wherever God sends them. And women in the military community, whether it's active duty, wives, um, they are all over the world. And it is a way to impact the globe with the gospel of Christ when we encourage and equip the women in the military community. And I just thought that was such a beautiful vision and a powerful vision. And so that I met with Corey and a couple of other women and we started praying and vision casting, you know, seeking the Lord as to exactly what would this ministry look like. And it was just such a treat to be a part of building something so significant from the ground up, you know, from what are we going to call ourselves to what is the, what is the specific vision that God is giving us and mm -hmm. how are we going to do this? And Corey really had a heart to be doing simulcasting conferences because with the change in military budget structures and things like that, money to be able to fund a chapel, ministries and women's ministries in the military to be able to have conference speakers or do some things like that are are no longer available mm -hmm. and so be to be able to provide that at a low cost or hopefully someday no cost for the military community was really part of Corey's heart and so we now have uh, a website at planningroots.net and we've got multiple blog posts by women in the military, for women in the military, each week. We're working on Bible studies. We do several conferences a year that we take to regional areas in the country. And now, out of the country, we did two conferences this year in Germany, which was fabulous. And we look okay. forward to many years of working with this nonprofit and bringing quality speakers and encouragement mm -hmm. to women all over all over the globe that's excellent and and i understand you have a conference coming up this fall correct we do our next conference is october 13th at mclean bible church in washington dc i've heard of mclean bible church in washington dc so yes we are so excited there is such a, a large military population in the D.C. area. Oh, I would imagine. And we, yes, and within two to three hours, there's also Maryland, Pennsylvania, um, other parts of Virginia. Virginia Beach is accessible to this conference. Um, some areas of North Carolina um, have some military population that is within two to three hours of this location in dc so we're very excited and grateful to mclean bible church for hosting us well that that is really exciting and i have to tell you okay so you have you're encouraging and you're equipping 
military women and their faith and and that's excellent so it kind of makes me wonder like what you've been doing this for a while now what would you say I hate to put you on the spot like what's the number one but what what are one of the out of all the 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 heart cries or the concerns that you hear from these military women what would you say is near the top of the list oh wow that's such a, a great question and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels here thinking just to be able to nail it down to one. Right. And you don't have to. You're not obligated to one. Yeah. I, well, one, the, the consequence of the operational tempo that we have had for the last 10, 15 years. Americans forget that we are still a nation at war. But you do not forget that when you live in the military community mm. and you are deploying or your family member is deploying and it is the operational pace the deployment pace are high and i think that is one of the greatest challenges facing our military communities both in terms of personnel and families also in terms of finding you know finances and um equipment and things like that so keeping um, up with the demands of this of this yeah. life, and as yeah, you said, more, the yeah, PTSD is impacting more and more families, and it, that's a that's a whole challenge in and of itself. Being able to um, access treatment and to make positive and healing strides in that for families, and there's some amazing ministries out there um, tackling that tough tough topic. But even for the families that are not struggling with PTSD, it's very difficult in, in the pace of family life to have mom or dad gone for such long periods of time, six months plus, and then in and out with workups before they go that, you know, for an entire year family life is disrupted. And that's very challenging for children and for moms who end up being solo parents while their spouse is gone. Sometimes it is a female active duty member who is deployed and that's challenging for her family as well. So I think that that is one of the most significant things that military families struggle with. I think it's also hard to be that far away from family and support structures that you, you know, your home of origin when you live a mobile lifestyle Mm -hmm. and i know that for me that was the biggest blessing but also the biggest challenge of military life was moving around so much we live some amazing places but the transitions are very difficult sometimes and that's a challenge for military families as well right you know and all those things make complete sense and and while you're talking i'm thinking all right so earlier we were saying you know uh, for the Marines, and the, I'm sure this is all true of every branch of the military, you know, they they attract people who already have a, a, a high value placed on things like, you know, integrity and strength and resilience, and, um, and they develop those things. So what it got me thinking is, you know, these very things that, that are good things, you know, the, the strength, the efficiency, even the technology, you know, our military in so many ways they're so good at what they do. It's like watching, you know, the Olympics and watching figure skaters. Well, they make it look easy. Well, 
No, it's not as easy as it looks. They just happen. It just ha it happens to be a well-run organization, and it happens to be people who, who are very good at what they do, and have learned to be efficient, have learned to be resilient. And you know that's the upside. But the downside is, you know, sometimes when you're really good at what you do, you don't. People don't realize the need for support. You still yes. need support. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, what I'm saying, but, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we tend to leave, you know, if, it, if the wheel isn't squeaking, we leave it alone. Yes, absolutely, that can happen. And I think it's hard for um, churches in military communities. There are some churches that have amazing military ministries. And uh, Military Believer and Military Missions Network are two organizations that really help foster military programs in churches and help military families connect with good churches in a variety of locations that do have military ministries but for many churches who live who are located in military areas they have a challenge of this transient population that's always coming and going and knowing how to harness that and minister to that oftentimes is is challenging for churches right and yeah that support system sometimes is there from local churches and oftentimes is not yeah and and that is that is the challenge isn't it because you know it's reaching out to help people who aren't necessarily asking for help because they're trained to be self-sufficient yes and with the ministry, with Planting Roots, the ministry that I'm working with, you know, and I, and I think I was talking about our ministry, and I don't know that I actually said the name of our Oh, yes. Ministry, Please do. Please. Strength and Thrive in Military Life. But we have yeah. our conferences at a local church. So for the very reason that we are drawing military people to a local church where they have the possibility of getting introduced to that church congregation and and can have access to make some connections with that church and that's that's been a really nice part of the ministry to be able to help build relationships between believers that are stationed in a particular location and a local church right and so important to have those connections and to have the permission to say you know what yeah, I know, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, we're doing our best and, and maybe we're even, you know, doing well, but we still need help, you know, even in the best case scenario. So to, so to be able to acknowledge, you know, that, that it's okay to need somebody else, to need some support and some help. Yes, for sure. And I, I think we all can struggle with that, uh, you know, and it's a beautiful thing when, when we can encourage and support one another. And so oftentimes that kind of support is so simple. It's, you know, like if you know of a military family who's, um, has a deployed family member and it's a family with small children, something simple like helping to mow the grass or to volunteer. If you have a relationship with that family volunteer to babysit so that mom can, can, even go to the grocery store by herself, you know? right. um, just simple things like that are a very meaningful and practical way to support a military family. And that's exactly the word I was thinking as you were saying that, that practical, just really practical things. doesn't have to be, you know, the, the super profound, you know, whatever we think is the profound way to help. But yeah, doing something, just showing up and, hey, can I, you know, 
can I babysit the kids for a few hours? Or, you know, like you said, can I mow the lawn? Or do you need something, you know, just something that even might take an hour or less out of your day that'll make all the difference? Mm -hmm. Yes, and particularly when there's, um, I, I know of more situations where the dad is deployed. And, but so oftentimes when a dad is deployed, particularly the, the boys in a family can, can really starve for that um, dad time. And I've, we've had friends who just have volunteered to just take the boys out and play ball with them or just have that guy contact. And it, that's been a practical and helpful thing for families as well. Right. And um, so, and it's like you said, the word practical just keeps coming back. But it's, you know, it's, these aren't, this isn't rocket science. This isn't, you know, super like sophisticated. Like, no, any, anybody can be helpful. And, and again, it goes back to just even communicating that, you know, it's okay. It's, it's okay. We're here for each other. We're here for you because sooner or later, we all. We all need someone to, you know, someone to show that that they care. As trite as that sounds, we all need to know that we're not alone, and that that someone's got our back. Absolutely, we sure do. Yeah, and you know, so so I'm gonna kind of bridge back to something something in your book in one of the latter chapters. You know, you talked about this idea of you know, being able to experience our feelings. And, and in a sense, that's what we're talking about is, you know, saying, yeah, you know what, I do need help. Whether, whether things are going really well or it looks like they're going well or they're not going well, we have to experience our feelings. We, you know, we can't just say, well, I'm, I'm okay by myself. I don't need anybody. And you talk about that in terms of, you know, there, I'll, I'll pull up a quote. You said spiritual growth accelerates as we learn to experience our feelings, yet still make the choice to embrace the truth of who we are and you added in Christ so and so I love that because I think it's so important for us to acknowledge how we're feeling and I know that again that might sound overly simple but I think a lot of times we we kind of power past oh well, how I'm feeling doesn't matter this is how I should be feeling or this is what I should be doing and I just wonder what your thoughts are about that well, I think one of the most significant and helpful things that I have learned in the last several years is this concept of you can't grow spiritually beyond where you are emotionally. Right. And so oftentimes we want to separate out that emotional component of things, particularly if we struggle with um, some woundedness from our past or things that we've believed about ourselves or if we struggle with things that um, are, are harder to deal with. Um, anxiety, depression, extreme impatience, um, irritability, you know, those are not things that we just love to go around and talk about. Yeah. And so we have this, I think we have this t temptation to look at spiritual growth and, and to study God's word and, and to want to grow spiritually, but we don't necessarily connect what we're learning in God's word with what we may be struggling with in our emotions. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes we want to do that, but not quite sure how to do that. Yes. And um, that has been very helpful for me in terms of growing spiritually. And the way that I realized that there was a disconnect is I was continuing to mature in my ministry. I was maturing in my my depth of biblical knowledge and the ability to communicate that 
But at the same time, there were seasons in my life where I would struggle deeply with insecurity or a poor self-image, discouragement or anxiety. And I could see this disconnect at times between how I was actually feeling and what I knew to be true and how I should be trusting God and where I wanted to be spiritually. But I didn't necessarily know how to stop feeling discouraged because our feelings are rather uncooperative. Sometimes we can tell ourselves to stop feeling this or we shouldn't feel that, but feelings just are and they don't obey our mental commands. <laughs> Too often times they uh, do their own thing and then we, you know, struggle. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a skit, like an old skit with uh, Bob Newhart that comes to mind, you know, where basically the essence of it is uh, just, well, just stop it. Just stop. <laughs> it's like, okay, why didn't I think <laughs> I of that? I saw that yeah. just recently. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. You're cured. Just stop it. But, you know, I think about that, and I think about, you know, I, I tell this little story, uh, you know, when I, was, when I was a kid taking math in grade school, you know, the, the answers were always at the back of the book. And anytime you wanted, you could just look at the back of the book. Oh, there's the answer. Well, that's great. Yeah, particularly in math. <laughs> exactly. And that was it, in math. So anytime I wanted, I could get the right answer. But it didn't mean I knew how to get there. Oh, wow. That is a really great illustration. You know, that's I, exactly the problem is we know what we should be feeling sometimes, right. but we don't know how to get there. And I think the first issue is realizing that that is a, a problem, you know, and that we can have this disconnect and then realize, you know, God, so oftentimes when we start to deal with those uncomfortable emotions, when the Holy Spirit's in it, he begins to unpeel layers and start asking questions about what's underneath that feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, oftentimes the feelings are messengers right. of what we're actually believing in the moment. Ooh, and that's that good. may or may not be true. Right. For instance, um, if, you know, like if you walk into a room with a, a group of your friends and no one says hello to you, you can feel like maybe people don't want you there or they don't care or maybe they're upset with you. But the reality of the situation situation may have been they were in the middle of a conversation and didn't actually see you come in right but you know your feelings can be telling you all kinds of things based on what you're assuming to be true in the moment and that is the value of our feelings is if we'll pay attention to them they are messengers and if we let them give us the message we can begin to be more aware of what we're actually believing at different times, which gives us the ability to say, say, is this reasonable? Is this true? Is this actually what's happening? Or am I misperceiving something? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. And so the amazing thing about that is it's kind of like a dance with our feelings, right? Because so our feelings, we have this pendulum approach, I think, to many things in life. I, I know I do. It's either, okay, so I either make everything about my feelings and live there and steep there and just wallow in them, or I say, all right, no, I can't. And, and I just do everything I can to suppress them and push past them and ignore them. And I think yeah. both of those approaches are kind of missing what you're talking about. Yes, because it, uh, for me personally, I could be a real, I might 
tendency is to stuff my feelings in the past, mm-hmm. particularly when there was conflict or I was afraid of hurting someone or making someone disappointed or angry. I struggle with wanting everyone to be happy around me. I didn't realize at the time that that had, you know, its roots in some codependency. But if if I thought anything I was going to say or do is going to upset people or make them angry, I always, you know, kind of pull back and rethink that. And the feelings that are happening in me, oftentimes I would stuff them down and ignore them or just try to squash them. And that right. only works for so long before you, they, you know, they will begin to leak out in some form or fashion. And for me, one of the ways that anger leaked out of me was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it looks know, for a way I to come out. Did, yep. I did not realize that because it was there were things that I was upset about that I did I could I couldn't solve them. I didn't know how to communicate them successfully. Um, or you know, it wasn't a situation where I felt safe or comfortable communicating those feelings or just people weren't accessible or what have you. And so you have this, you know, this emotion and this hurt that's inside of you, disappointment or what, whatever it may be, and not an opportunity to be constructive and productive in dealing with that situation. And so for me, I just would stuff it down and pretend, you know, just go on and, and hope, just try to act like things are better and I would feel better over time and things would settle back down and I would be okay. But what I didn't realize was that stuffing it does not resolve anything and it's not healthy. It's producing all kinds of stress in in our body systems and it will come out. And oh, for, yes. like I said before, for me it would leak out in depression and anxiety because those were things where I had internalized stuff and emotions rather than dealing with them. Oh yes. And you're right. It will come out one way or the other. And, you know, I think you nailed it when you said, you know, feelings, they're, they're, they're a messenger, right? They're not the message necessarily, but they are a messenger and paying attention and, and saying, okay, what's asking those questions, what's really going on here and, and taking it even a step beyond that, which I think speaks to your whole purpose for writing, you know, this, this most recent book inviting God into that conversation because we might be surprised. You know, we think, well, this is how I'm feeling, so this is what I think is going on. But there's something about the Holy Spirit. He can shed light on things like, oh, oh, yeah, I never thought about that, you know. And it's just just amazing how illuminating it is when we invite God into that conversation. Yes, and, and the Holy, I mean, true emotional healing, that is what God does. We want emotional healing, and we can go through productive steps to process our emotions, but the actual regeneration of healthy thinking patterns and healing from wounds that have happened from other people or for ourselves, that is something that God specializes in, and it's one of the things that I just treasure about the Holy Spirit 
and about what Jesus has done for us is he has redeemed us from our sin and he restores things that are broken. And that includes hearts that are broken and relationships that are broken. And those are the kinds of things that create these just emotions that fester under the surface and, and motivate and drive our anxieties and depressions and um, fit bursts of anger or um, workaholism. A lot of addiction has its roots in emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And so being able to deal with our emotional pain in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes we need to have um, someone who is gifted in helping people who are experiencing emotional pain, whether that's a, a, a close friend, a wise friend, Christian counselor, um, a mature believer who has walked difficult roads themselves. You know, sometimes we need the presence of other people as well as the presence of the Holy Spirit as we attend to things within ourselves that need healing. Right. And again, it, it, it sounds like an irony, but I, but I think it's actually just the beauty of, of, of the truth of the way God works. You know, everything that we're talking about is, is really about God wants us to be healed and whole. So he cares about us. So we, it's okay for us to want ourselves to be whole and healed and restored and all of those things. But where the irony comes in is when we try to manage that ourselves, when we try to arrange for it, we try to do it in our own strength, it, it produces this, this focus on ourself that we can't handle. And cause we're not big enough to, to handle ourselves. Um, it's one of these things where it's like in order to find our lives, I mean, I guess the Bible has the answer, right? You know, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. But when we lose it in Jesus for his sake, that's when we find it. Sounds like a mystery. Um, but I, I think there's there's something here in in learning, you know, how to let go of my grip on myself so that I can be healed. Yes. And one of the key scriptures that is was the inspiration of holy in the moment is the scripture that talks about god being the one who makes us holy and whole and putting us together spirit soul and body and keeping us together and that that wholeness of your spirit your soul and your physical body which includes you know your emotional systems your chemistry your hormones all that kind of thing that all of god bringing all of that into wholeness includes an aspect of health and healing and that is a beautiful picture of the restorative work of god in our life that is part of spiritual growth and part of the heartbeat of god for his people is that he can restore what has been lost through our sin and through the disconnection with god that comes because of our sin and it is oftentimes a lifelong process. You know, it's a journey, not necessarily. Um, we walk it out day by day. Salvation happens in an instant. The moment that we 
ask Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, but growing into our full identity in Christ in terms of how we experience it and understand it, spirit, soul, and body, that's the journey of a lifetime. And so that's just an important part of allowing and wanting the Lord to be a part of what's happening within us emotionally. Right. Yeah. And there's freedom there. As you, you know, as you said that this is, this is about being, you know, who God wants us to be and who God wants us to be. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be whole. He's on our side, you know, and, and when we realize that we don't have to be the one to manage that, to try to arrange for our own freedom, that it's, it's a task that's too big for any one of us to handle. Um, but that we can, we can actually take some practical steps to walk toward that freedom and and you actually um you have this great resource i found on your on your website um you call it 10 holy habits and it's it's about overcoming that focus on self sure um that it, it was just a little printable that um i've done recently and it's called simple 10 simple ways to overcome selfishness and so oftentimes we think of selfishness as a really bad word, <laughs> mm -hmm. right. something that we don't want to be, but self-focus right. um, is something that we do struggle with. And when we are struggling with um, woundedness or um, significant problems in our lives, struggling with uh, grief or um, anxiety or depression, those emotions are very very consuming and they 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 sat our emotional attention and energy in ways that we know it's happening but it's hard to get ourselves out of it right and then we just have a culture that is so self-oriented right um you know everything's about me and i'm going to blast it all over social media and then we have a culture that's extremely busy. Uh, so oftentimes we're overcommitted and over involved in too many things. And so you throw all of that together and selfishness has, you know, it shows up in, in many, many ways in our lives. And so this little printable is just, just a little simple, 10 simple things. And it talks about, you know, number one is pray, ask mm -hmm. God to help you notice self selfish thoughts and motivations. Uh, two is to be willing. Be willing to change when God reveals self-focused thoughts and attitudes. Well, I hate to cut the conversation off there, but suffice it to say, technology did it for me. But the good news is you can get a copy of that printable Ginger was talking about, 10 Holy Habits to Overcome Selfishness, not to mention her book, Holy in the Moment, and a whole lot more at her website gingerharrington.com and of course I'll throw a link up on the isleofmisfits.com that's I-S-L-E of misfits.com where you can find other interviews with other fascinating people like Ginger blog posts and so much more now like you I'm having a bit of a lazy crazy hazy summer or unlike you if you're a type A summer hustler but we're gearing up for a whole new season of misfitishness, so you stay tuned. Our next podcast will be with an award-winning author who also happens to be a close relative of mine, and she will freely admit it. Oh, I'll get it out of her. And you will love her book, 
the story behind your book, and of course, the snappy sisterly banter. So, until then, keep owning your awkward, keep loving your fellow misfit, and above all, be a seeker of beauty and truth wherever it pops up. Because it will. <laughs>